Hey, welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you're watching this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please feel free to contact us by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go to get access to helpful Growth Step resources. Join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear a Church Experience Worship original song. We hope this gives you time to worship and reflect on what you've just learned. Thanks again for joining Church Experience Online. We all have walls that stand between us and what we can become. Walls that look like I was 16 years old, and I had just got my driver's license. Do you remember what that was like? And, and man, I was so excited because now I could go on a date, okay? Like, I, go, I could go on a date without mom and dad there, that is. And it was just so exciting. It was so freeing. And I, I had my eye on this girl that was so cute, and she went to church with me. And I, I just thought, man, she was the girl. I thought I was in love at the time and realized now it was child's play, right? And I, I, I was so excited, and I, I asked her, I said, hey, Will you go out with me? Can I, can I take you out on a date? And she, she said yes. And I, th- I think I was surprised. Uh, I don't know that I expected her to say yes, and she did. So now i got to plan the date. And I, I pick her up at her house, and I got the restaurant picked out. My mind's on everything and how it's going to go for the night. And so I, I'm not paying attention like I should. And I'm trying to keep this conversation going. I'm 16, right? And so I'm driving, talking to her, trying to be real careful with what I say and think about where we're going. So, so much paying attention to the moment that when we got to the red light, I did stop, thankfully, but I treated it like a stop sign somehow, and I just kept on driving. And she's like, do you know you just ran a red light? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm so sorry. And uh, I just, I thought I was in love and just kind of messed me up. But see, I realize now, though, I, I realize looking back on it now that, that I was wrong. I, I wasn't really in, in love. I really liked the girl, but, but I, I wasn't in love. It messed me up a little bit, but you know how you can tell if you're in love? You can tell if you're really in love to the extent that it messes you up, okay? And so it really messed me up when I was 19 years old and I met this girl, Jennifer, and oh man, it, it messed me up. We, I, I told some of you about my first date. I, I showed up at her door and I, I was, you know, living in San Diego at the time. I was making like $100 a week living on the, the below poverty line, but man, I was so happy. I, I, I would go surfing all the time, eat In-N-Out hamburgers and ramen noodles. That, that was my diet, and I just, I had, a, I, had, I had a great life going. I showed up, knocked on her door, and I had my Hawaiian board shorts on and a little white t-shirt and, and some flip-flops, and so I was a little embarrassed when she answered the door, and she had a dress on for our date. I thought, man, I am underdressed for this date. I don't know why she didn't shut the door right then, but Thank God she didn't, and she invited me in and got to hang out with the parents for a minute. And, and, and you know what? It's a little embarrassing to think about it now, but I was so grateful at the time when mom and dad handed me, that her mom and dad handed me a, a steakhouse gift card, Black Angus Steakhouse. This is a big gift card. Not, I, 
I was like, well, thank you so much. And it's got to be a little embarrassing when your date takes a gift card from your mom to take you out. I mean, that, that's not the way you want to start a date, but it's just, it's, it was that or it was In-N-Out Burger or Taco Bell. I mean, it was the options. And so we went to the steakhouse and we, we pulled up in the parking lot. And I'm just telling you, from, from the first moment we pulled onto the lot, you could tell we did not belong there. I didn't belong there, certainly. She did. I didn't. See, my car was this old Buick. It was all rusted out. I looked around the steakhouse parking lot. All the other cars were nice. They were new. They were shiny. My car just didn't fit. It's like, okay, come on. You're messing up the whole scene. Just move along. You know, that's right. Well, well we went inside, and, and I t- I'm, I'm not kidding you. Like, as I walked in the door, I was so underdressed compared to my date, compared to everybody else in the restaurant that literally it felt like the pictures hanging on the wall were giving me dirty looks. So like, have you ever just felt like you don't belong? I just, I, I felt like I just didn't belong there. We, we sat down at the seats and I, I mean, it's just who I was at the time. I grew up with all boys. I didn't really know how to treat a lady. I know now. I didn't know at the time. So I just, I, I'm just telling you how it was. I kicked off my flip-flops and I put my bare feet up on the booth seat next to my date. I, I did. I'm, I'm not making this up. And, and, and then they brought the bread roll out. And I know now, I now know that you slice and dice the thing and you, you put the butter on it and you serve your date. Well, I offered if she wanted to eat any of the bread and she said no. And so I somehow became a caveman and grabbed the loaf by both ends and took a big old bite out of it. I did. And, and, and why she didn't just get up and leave, I can't tell you, but she stayed. And then she ordered, she ordered a little salad. And so I, I'm doing the math again. I'm, I'm used to eating you know, fast food. I'm used to eating ramen noodles. And so when I look at the price of this gift card, I'm thinking they're not going to let me back in a second time. So I'm going to use this gift card. And I thought, I have enough here. I could order two or three entrees. And that's exactly what I did. And it was a little embarrassing when they brought out her little salad and all my food. But man, it was, it was a good day because I ate really well. And, and, and I just kept, I kept, I, I didn't know what to say because I mean, I'm there with this girl I really love and, and it's our first date. And so I'm like, hey, how you doing? And, and she answers, and then like three minutes later, I don't know what else to say, so I'm like, hey, how you doing? It's like, I think I asked her seven times how she was doing in the course of one dinner conversation. I literally, I'm not exaggerating, I literally got up at one point, excused myself as if I was going to the bathroom, and I took a lap around the restaurant, thinking, I gotta find a better question. You know, it's like, what am I gonna say? And I got back, and she was still there, amazingly. Miracles happened, and it's like the, the day finished, and now almost this summer, almost 19 years later, I mean, I, wow, and four kids, and God does miracles. If you, you, your faith is weak today, I'm just telling you, you should have great faith in God because miracles happen, and it's, it's amazing. But I, I, I look back on that, and I know that it was real love because of how much it messed me up. I couldn't even think straight. I didn't know what to say, and I just, I don't know what I was thinking, and just, I just, I, it messed me up. And when, when you're in love, when you're in love, man, when you're really in love, it just, it just does something to you. Not that you always have the emotion, but it does something inside you. It stirs something inside of you. And I think, you know, back to those times when, 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 you, when you see someone first experience Jesus, if you think back to your story, the first time you, you, you found Jesus, you heard about him, you really understood. Maybe it wasn't the first time you heard his name, but the first time you really heard it in that way, and it was personal, and it was for you. You could be forgiven of all your sins, and you knew what those sins were. You were thinking about them. You thought, well, I'm forgiven from all, I don't have to be guilty anymore, I don't have to carry that. And not only that, but that when I die, I have hope because I have eternal life in heaven. And, and then there's this father in heaven who's the perfect father, and, and he loves me, and he cares about me, and I can be in relationship with him and all that. And you discover this for the first time. And it's just, it, just, it just wrecks you. It wrecks you inside because you're like, man, this is incredible, like God's love for me. 
It does something inside of you, and you, you have this love. Do you, do you remember what first love felt like? Do you, do you remember what that felt like? Well, there was a church written about in the book of Revelation that had that first love. They had that passion for the Lord, and somehow that passion drifted. It faded, and they, they, actually they lost it. And in verse 2 of chapter 2, it says, Jesus' own words to that church, he says, I, I know your deeds, Okay, your, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have, have found them false, so your doctrine is right on. Verse 3, you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. So he says, I, listen, I, I get it. You're, you're doing all the right things. You're going through the motions, but there's something wrong with your emotions. He says in verse 4, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Your first love. You had it and you lost it. So, so you once had the passion and then following the passion for the Lord and because of your love, you, you did all these right things. I mean, you, you got your doctrine lined up and your beliefs and, and your, your actions and your life they started to align with that, that belief and that love of God. And, and then, and you know, you're in worship, you're gathering together, you're praying, you're, you're doing all these things. But, but somehow in the midst of all that, you lost what mattered most, and that was what was first, and that was your love of God. And so he says, you've fallen. You've fallen from your first love. You're, we're not talking about what you're doing. You're going, you're going through all the, the motions. You've just lost the, the emotion. And not that love is always emotion. There's, there's definitely commitment. There's certainly commitment that fuels it that's behind it and that the bedrock of it. But that, but that passion for the Lord, you've lost it. And I just wonder today, is, is there someone here who, who just needs to hear this, this lesson that, that we need to return to our first love? Return to our first love. I wonder if there's someone here who would say, I mean, I've, I've kind of flatlined spiritually. I, I used to have the passion. I used to have the love, but I think I've lost it. And how, do, how do I get it back? You know, I, I want to put what should be first, first in my life. I, I don't want to be cold spiritually. I don't want to just go through the motions. Because listen, you can, you can do all the right things and have all the right information and still not experience transformation. And if you want to break through today, I mean, you, you want to break through in your life, you want to break through in your spirit, you want to see God do a, a new thing in your life, then, then it's not about just getting more information, it's, it's not about doing the right things, it's about your heart. It's always been about your heart. So how is your heart, how is your passion for the Lord these days? It's, it's a matter of priorities, it's a matter of putting first things first, and if there's other things that have crowded Jesus out of being first in your life, and you can sing a song like we just sang and that says Jesus, Jesus, and, and that doesn't still mess you up in some way inside, it doesn't get your heart's attention, then, then maybe there's some other things that have crowded in your life and crowded out the love of your life, which should be Jesus, and I mean, if that's you, then, then, then you, might need to, you might need to throw some elbows, you might need to bump some things out of their spot so that Jesus, so that Jesus can be first again. You might have to actually literally put him first in your day. Maybe, you, maybe you've done this, maybe you do this, but, but listen, if not, and you're letting Jesus have the leftovers, look at Jesus' examples. Mark 135, this is very early in the morning. 
while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Though he was God in the flesh, God's only son, he still found it important to keep that connection alive to the Father. We believe that our one God is a God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so God the Son is saying, I need to keep that connection alive, although we are one. It's so important for me to stay connected to the Father. And, and he got up early, early, first, first thing in the morning. He got up and he spent time connecting with the Father. I, I have this, this pattern that's emerged in my life in recent years where when I wake up in the morning, that alarm goes off and turn the, turn the alarm on the phone off. And before I get into my phone and see what my schedule is for the day and before I start tackling the task list or before I start seeing what messages have come in in the last few hours, I, I, I pray. I check in with my Father in heaven before I even check my phone. And, and just checking in with my Father first has, has reordered some things in my day because it, it's, it's, he's always been a priority, but now he's literally the first priority. And not that you have, this is not about a, a, another routine or something that you need to do a certain way. It's not about the how, it's really about, about the why. Why should Jesus be first? Because he's most important. And if something's most important, they shouldn't get your leftovers. They shouldn't get what you have left over in your life, in any area. He should get what's first. You should put him at the top, at the first, at the beginning. And it's a statement. It's a statement saying, all of it is yours. All my life is yours. So you're first. That's, that's why he should be first. And, and, and some of us, you know, at times, it's like, well, I've got a kid's birthday party this weekend. I still haven't got groceries yet. I'm behind on that. And man, I got this paper due for school tomorrow. I have this big work project. And if I, that's going to be getting me the promotion. I, I, yeah, I got to make up time somewhere. I'm just, I'm going to have to miss worship this week. I'll catch up later. I just, I got to, I got to kind of, and it's like God gets our leftovers. Instead of being first, like he, he gets what's left. And instead of being like, well, man, I can't wait to meet with God today. And the one thing that I'm going to do on Monday that, that, that everything else is going to work around, we, we say, well, I don't know if I have time. I don't know if I have the energy. I'm a little tired. I just, I didn't, I wasn't able to fit it in. And it's not about, did, did I have time to fit him in? It's, it's about the order. It's about the order. If he's first, then it's not about trying to fit him in. It's like everything else fits around that. Like that's the one non-negotiable. I'm going to spend time in God's presence. So if you want, if you want a breakthrough, listen, last week I, I, I kind of set this up and I said there's two fundamentals and just like anything where someone wants to experience something great, they get good at the fundamentals. And the fundamentals for a believer is two things. It's God's word, which we talked about last week. And if you missed it, man, catch up online. But, but it's God's word and it's God's presence. And so as we talk about God's presence today, that if you want a breakthrough, that, that's where it's at. If you, if you want God to break through and do something new in your life, something fresh in your spirit, what you really need is more of God's presence, to come back to your first love, to return to your first love. My mentor, Pastor Kevin Myers, taught me that the order of things is important. That's what separates greatness, the order of things. Ian Bounds wrote so much on prayer, and he said, that the men who have done the most for God in this world have been early on their knees. He who fritters away the early morning, its opportunity and freshness in other pursuits than seeking God will, will make poor headway seeking him the rest of the day. If God is not first in your thoughts and efforts in the morning, he will be in last place the remainder of the day. How do, you, how do you begin your day? Everybody's got different schedules. I get it, but, but what are you thinking of when you wake up? What's the last thing you think about when you fall asleep at night? I'm just saying, I remember what first love felt like, and I, I remember I, all the time thinking about it, and, and wake up thinking about it, and you go to sleep dreaming about it, right? I mean, it, it matters. It's, 
How, how's your pulse spiritually? If we could kind of somehow read it out. Have you slipped into neutral? Have you slipped into religious coasting mode? Where you're going through the motions like the church in Re- Revelation? You're going through all the motions, but there's no emotion, there's no passion, there's no drive. How do you get that back? How do you get that back? I think one of the hesitations, maybe one of the roadblocks on the path to experiencing God's presence every day, to, to prayer, I think one of the roadblocks is that we don't know what to say. It, I mean, come on, if we're honest, it's like we don't know what to say. You kind of feel like you're sitting at that that first date table like I was, and you're like, hey, God, how you doing? It's like, I, I don't got anything else. I mean, I pray for my family, and I pray, help, help me have a good day. God, just be with me. Here I go. It's like, I, I don't know what to say if you're honest. I mean, it's like, even if you've been following God a lot of years, you're like, I don't know. It's I kind of, I don't know what to say. And, and it keeps us from praying at all, or we slip into the, the list mode where we just kind of click off a list of a bunch of things that we want to pray about, or we feel like we should pray about, but it just, it never goes beyond the list into our heart. It's just checking off. It's a transaction. And God doesn't want a transaction. That's religion. God wants a transformational relationship. That's what God wants. So what do you do when you don't know what to say? And how do you connect? You know, and I, I think the short answer is it's a conversation. It's meant to be a conversation, just like you have all different kinds of conversations with your friends, people you care about. You have all kinds of, you know, different conversations with them, right? And, and that's good. It shouldn't always be the same thing. Same thing with God. It, it doesn't always need to be the same prayer in the same way, in the same format. And, and like, it, it can take all kinds of variety and creativity. Like, God wants that. He just wants to connect with you relationally. And so that's the short answer is it's just having a conversation. And that's going to look a lot of different ways. But beyond that, for breakthrough to really happen, it's, it's not just about what you say. It's, it's the experience. And a big part of the experience is listening to God. It's hearing God. You hear him through his word, like we talked about last week, the Bible, the written word of God, but you also hear him in prayer. You, 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 you come to know his presence. You know, when I was in college and Jennifer and I were early in our dating relationship, uh, I, I had to test her out, right? Because I, I grew up with a couple boys and I needed to know that she could hang. Like I needed to be able to mess with her a little bit. I needed to put her in scenarios to see if she, I, I just needed to see it and then what kind of girl she was, right? And, and so I, I, I would come into a public place in our college. I know you're saying, Brandon, this is messed up. But this is what happened. We'd walk into a, out of the door into a public area, and, I, and I'd look at her, and I'd say, Jennifer, no, I will not make out with you. <laughs> and everyone looks at her like, like what? Yeah. And I just, I, I had to see. I had to see how she'd respond. And I'd just, I just have some fun with her. She took it great. She was awesome. She was a great sport. And she'd give it back to me. And, and we, it was just kind of cool. But I remember one time we were in that dating season there on our college campus, and I rode my skateboard up to a picnic table. I sat down. She's there at the picnic table. She's like, hey, tell me about your family. I pull out my wallet, and I flip through the pictures. That's my brother, Brock. Yeah, great dude. I love that guy. Here's my brother, Brad. Great dude. I love that guy. Here's my parents. I'm telling about my family and all these things. She's asking me questions. I'm responding. We're listening, all this kind of stuff. And then... And I'm like, what, do you have a family? You know, surprise, some flippant thing, like, tell me. She's like, oh, yeah, and she starts talking. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Hey, I got to go. I hop on my skateboard, and I take off. I can't believe now that I did that because now I know. Now I learned to listen. Now I know that relationship is about, like, not just talking but listening, and it's a two-way thing, and I care, and I want. All that's changed. But at that time in my life, in 19, 20 years old, like, I just, I, I wasn't there yet, and I took off, and now that conversation 
and it's been recited to me a number of times. Brandon, you remember that time? Remember that time when, when I listened to your whole family history, telling about your aunts and uncles, your cousins, and you just got on your skateboard, and I started talking about my family. You just took off. You didn't care. You know, see, I, I've learned. I've learned. See, it's not just about what you say, and we think prayer is about what we say, but real relationship is formed. I, I've, I've learned that real relationship is formed in what you listen, when you listen. When's the last time you listened to God? Or is it just kind of a quick prayer out the door, a quick prayer before you fall asleep at night? Or are you really hearing the heart of God? Because this is where prayer gets exciting. And I believe the, the Holy Spirit, what we read about in the Bible, is inside of every believer. So if you've received Jesus into your life and asked for the forgiveness of your sins, he's in you. And his Holy Spirit's inside you. And so you can pray audacious things like, God, speak to me. And not that you're necessarily even expecting to hear an audible voice, but the Holy Spirit who dwells inside you, your body, it says, is a temple of God, and, and he's inside of you. And so as he's in you, he, he nudges you, and you're, you're, you're praying, and he's prompting you, and you're kind of thinking about, you know, this, this person that he's brought up in your mind, and you start praying for them. And maybe, maybe he, he, he convicts you at times, and as you're praying, you start to think about something, you're like, as you listen, you're like, yeah, I've been really impatient lately, and I, God, help me become more patient and uh, please forgive me. I lost my cool the other day on that, that, that time with that person. And God, just help. I want to get better at that. Please give me the wisdom, right? And, and, and you're praying about that. Or maybe, maybe God brings up something. You, you, if it slipped your mind, a priority that should be in your life or, or something that you need to go and do or someone you can help. And he brings that to your mind as you're there listening and praying. See, prayer should be an interactive conversation, not a stale, cold list that we just kind of click through, but a relationship that's alive because we have a living God. When's the last time that you were, you were still before God? The last time you didn't monopolize the conversation? How fun is it to be in a conversation with someone who monopolizes the conversation? You're trying to talk and have, have a two-way conversation, but they just, they just talk and talk and talk, and you can never share your heart because they're so busy talking. When, when's the last time you gave God some space to communicate? When's the last time you gave God some room in your prayer life? Psalm 37 Verse 7, be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. You know, even when there's chaos in your life, be still before God. So the world is running by fast, and it might be running fast and hard at you, but that should drive you not to run faster, but to put the brakes on and slow down. When things are swirling around us, we just run faster. Well, I just gotta, I just gotta, I gotta work harder. I gotta, I gotta figure it out. I gotta go. And may, maybe that's the exact time when we should pull back and, and say, all right, God, I'm, I'm gonna be still before you. Even if it's just for a short amount of time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be still and quiet my heart before you. And as it says in Psalm 47, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. How do you, how do you know that God is above all and almighty and strong in your life, you, you get still with him and it's in the quiet. And it might be in the quiet as you sit on a beach and look out at the beautiful sunset and you're still and in your heart you just know, wow God, your creation is amazing. You are God. It might be the stillness as you look at a, a newborn baby in a rare moment of silence <laughs> when you're awake and coherent enough and you take in the moment and oh, God, you gave me life just like this little baby. You are God. It, it might be in a moment that you pause 
and you have sweat rolling down your brow and your sleeves are rolled up and you've been working hard at whatever it is that you do and you've just trying to make a living and trying to do what you can do and, and you pull back and you say, you know what, man, as much as I'm striving and working, God, I can, I, all this, my health, my life, my strength, it's all from you, God. You are God. You know, I think it's in those moments. I think it's when we're still before God that we really experience his presence. But I think many of us never get there because we're moving at such a pace that we, we never pull back and we never get the blessing, we never get the benefit of being in God's presence because we're running so hard. And, and I think that's just simply the lesson. Be still, be still. Circle that, write that down, put that in your heart, be still. The, the problem is often that we're, we're too busy, we're, we're in a hurry and, and, and maybe it's time to, instead of allowing God to take the leftover space in your life is that we move some other things out and we put him first and we say, Jesus, worshiping you, that's what really matters. In my day, in my week, this is, this is what really matters most. You know, I don't think any day is invested well where we, we don't experience the presence of God. I don't think you can really have a great day unless you get into the presence of our great God. And, and maybe it'd be helpful just to kind of roll into some practical handles on how you grab this thing and do it. I mean, if you're busy, because I've met a lot of busy people, and maybe you'd say, I'm a really busy person. How do you do this? One, I think you schedule time. I think you schedule time with God. And I know that sounds a little counterintuitive to like really walking with God and let the Holy Spirit lead you. And you're like, well, shouldn't it just be more impromptu? And I agree. Don't get me wrong. I, I agree. I practice that, the presence of God. And I think you should throughout the day, just randomly, as you want to talk to God. And Billy Graham is so neat for me and recently just reminded me and, and schooled me in this, uh, they, you know, with his legacy after his passing, a lot of stuff came out. And, and one reporter had interviewed him and, and was asking him questions about prayer and how to do it. And it was almost like he was like confused like what his routine was because he's like what do you mean like I'm I'm always praying he's like right now I'm praying like God give me the words to say he's like just he lived in the presence of God that's no wonder that God did miraculous things through him because God was doing something amazing in his heart all the time and so I, I think that's really where you want to get to where it is a continual ongoing natural conversation that's just a part of your your life and your rhythm but I also think, especially when you're, when you're coming into that and trying to rediscover and strengthen your first love, I think it's important to actually schedule time. Because we schedule time for everything else that matters. I mean, if the doctor says, this is what I can fit you in, you put it on your calendar and you show up. If the mechanic says, this is your slot, you're going to be there at that time. You're putting it on your schedule. It, it, listen, if, if your class starts at 7 a.m. and they say, you need to be there, you're going to show up. You're going to be there at that time. You're going to be at that location. Why? Because it matters it's important, and you know that by putting on your calendar, you're going to make sure you blocked off that time. You didn't double book yourself. But we think that God, we think God is responsible just to catch us. Pastor Kevin Meyer says that's spiritually lazy for waiting for God to catch you. Our job is to go and chase God. And so you need to put on your calendar to go, go after God and spend time with him. Schedule it. For you, it might be a literal thing where you actually plug it into your calendar and say, first thing in the morning, I'm going to spend 30 minutes with God. I'm going to spend how much time with God. It's going to be the end of my day. Or it might just be generally, like at my lunchtime, that's going to be, or on my commute, that's my time with God. Hey, you've you got to figure out what works in your life and your rhythm, your personality, but I'm just saying schedule it in. The second thing is this. Is it almost sounds like I'm going to say something contrary to what I just said, schedule it. But I, I would say it's one and the same. And, and that's make time in what you're already doing to bring in the presence of God. So, so maybe it's just bringing God more into the rhythm of what you're already doing, right? 
So maybe you're already eating lunch and maybe you eat lunch alone and you have a, a little break room and you go off and eat lunch. What, what if you took that time every once in a while or consistently and you, and you broke away and you, you ate lunch with God and you kind of put on some worship music and, and maybe you read the word and maybe, maybe you just prayed. Maybe you went on a little walk after you're done eating and before you head back to, to work. Or maybe you get a little break during the day and you can just break away for a few minutes and just go on a little quick five-minute walk and just spend some time in God's presence. Or maybe you're already driving to work and you have this commute. What if you turn that, that car into a worship service and you put some worship music on or you listen to the audio Bible or you just spent time praying and that was your, your time? And I, I just wonder if there's some, some spaces in our life that we feel like is already so full that we could redeem and infuse with a fresh injection of God's presence by simply giving God that time and saying, God, this is your time. This was my time, but God, this is your time, and I want it to be with you. Maybe it's, maybe it's something simple, like when we're, when we're with other believers, more intentionally praying together. Be more, more intentional about it, like just huddling up before we go, hey, let's, let's pray together before we go. Or, or something comes up, and there's some, somebody that, that you're talking to, and they got a lot of, and, hey, would it be cool if I, I prayed for you just real quick? And, and I just think, man, just naturally doing that, and, and I, I got to say something here. If we, could, if we could do that in a natural way, I think that would be very God-honoring because I, I've seen this done. I've been in church like my whole life. I grew up as a pastor's kid. I've seen people do this in like a really weird way. Can I just say be normal, right? Like if you're going to pray with other people, just be aware of the people around you and people who might not be believers. And just You don't have to talk in a super spiritual language when you pray. You, know, you have to get a, let's pray, let's break it down. And you start throwing out all the, all the spiritual words you know and all the longest words you know. And it's like, just, just be normal. Just talk to God in just a normal voice and just kind of, you know, it's, 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 if you're doing it respectfully even God hears you right and and also be normal I mean you don't make it a, a, a spiritual uh, superiority thing like I, I've seen this done where people kind of almost like want to flex their spiritual muscles when they pray and impress you it's like don't, don't try to impress anybody through your prayers like God's the one we should be trying to please so if you're gonna pray with somebody just make it about them make it about God's presence not about you and I, I think I, just, I, I don't know, maybe that didn't help anybody. That helped me. That was therapeutic for me just to say that. Be normal when you pray, right? That just kind of helps. Uh, some of us have been around the church a little bit. I, I think, but I think doing that, man, I think, I think praying more, bringing God's presence into what we do is a game changer. But you know what? Why do we not do this? Why do we not do this? I, I wonder if maybe underneath it all, I, I wonder, I wonder if we don't think we need God. Not that we would ever say that. Like we're always, yeah, I, I agree, I need God. But I wonder if you and I just don't think we actually need God. And so we, we don't get with God because we don't really think we need him. Like we think we're okay. We think we're good. We think I can do it. In fact, one of my, my friends is a pastor in the Nashville area. He says, God answers desperate prayer, but the self-righteous, they don't have to pray. The self-sufficient don't need to pray, and the self-satisfied don't want to pray. So Maybe the, the, the first prayer for you to rediscover the first love is to say, God, help me know with a fresh realization my need for you. Help me rediscover why I need you and that, God, I need you more than anything. I need you now and that I don't need religion. I don't need to just learn the right things to do. But no, God, I need you. I don't even need to know about you so much. It's more that I just need to know you. I need to know you personally. I need to know you up close. I need you in my life. See, the lesson I think is that I need you more than ever. Maybe that's a prayer that you want to pray. God, I, I need you more than ever, more than ever before in my life. I need your wisdom. My wisdom is limited. It's finite. My, my strength is limited, but God, you're almighty, meaning all-powerful. God, your foresight and your vision, you're outside of time. God, you know all. 
my, my vision is very limited and what I, I understand and know. My lifetime is limited, but God, you've always been, you always will be. So God, I need you now more than ever. See, God wants you to really know him. And if you want to get back to that first love, you need to know God. That's what you need. You want to break through in your life. I'm just saying, if you're, you're saying, I've flatlined spiritually. You need, what you need is you need, you need more of the presence of God. You need to know God. That's what you need. And I'm telling you, it's so life-giving. It's so fueling. It's so incredible. I was living out west. I was in my 20s and standing at a Perkins restaurant, getting ready to pay the bill up front after I'd been in a meeting. My wife was not there in the restaurant. Some other people I knew were. And as I'm standing there waiting to pay, I'm up at the counter. I feel these female hands slip very comfortably onto my lower hips. And lower hips is very generous. <laughs> and I could feel these fingers. And I thought about it for a second. Like, oh, hey, it's my wife. And I thought, well, my wife is not in the building. <laughs> this is not good. I'm very uncomfortable right now because there are some very close hands on my body. And uh, another body pressed up against my body. And I'm thinking, okay, this has got to be somebody messing with me. But who would do this? I, and, I, and I just, I was hesitant to even turn around. Because it's like, I don't know what I'm going to find. I don't know what's going on, right? So I, I, I just kind of turn around very cautiously. And, and I, I see this woman's face that I've never seen before. I'm shocked, you know. She's got her hands all over me. And, and, and then she was even more shocked than I was. From the back of my head, she thought I was her husband or boyfriend. I clearly wasn't. I turned around. It was not what she was expecting, not what I was expecting. The craziest thing about the whole experience, which you can't make this stuff up. I'm telling you, this is true. I looked at the name tag of the guy working at Perkins that was checking us out. It said Larry Bird. I'm like, are you kidding me? The former NBA players here, like, you know, obviously it wasn't him, but just the whole moment. It was just unbelievable. And you know, she, she thought she knew me. She thought that she knew who I was. I turned around. She didn't know me at all. See, I, I wonder how many of us would claim that we know God, and we've always known God. We believe in God, all that kind of stuff. We, we know God, but we don't really know God. Not experientially. Like, we know about God. We've learned things about him. We, we have some kind of a prayer life, but, but we don't really know God. Do you know God? If you could check your spiritual pulse or your relationship with him, and I think those of you who've known God the longest, you've known about God the longest, are most danger to have a flat line spiritually because you can know God. And like the church in Revelation, they were doing all the right things. They believed all the right doctrine. They were even enduring suffering for God. Yet in their heart, they didn't know God. Do you know God's presence? Do you know him? Do you experience his love on a daily basis? See, this is not about information. This is about transformation. And if you want to break through, if you want to break through in your spiritual life, this, this is where it's at. I think it would be real helpful to maybe just give you some, again, some, some ideas on how to freshen up your, your prayer life. Because I've found that sometimes I'm in that spot again where I, I was at 19 years old and I'm sitting across the table. But this time it's with God. I'm like, God, how are you doing? And I, I don't necessarily know what to say. And a lot of times now at this point in my life, after walking with God for quite some time, it, it does come more naturally, to be honest, and so I, it gets better. But there's, man, there's, there is times, what, what do you say? And so maybe for you, it would be helpful to get some ideas. I, I had a friend, uh, a couple that I was in a life group with, and uh, this, this couple, they, they saved the Christmas cards that they get every year 
with pictures of their friends and family, and they throw them in a drawer um, in a nightstand next to their bed. And each night before they go to bed as they're praying together, they grab in at random and they pull out one of those cards. And they see the picture of somebody that they love, somebody that they care about, and they pray for that person that night. It's just, it keeps it fresh. It allows them to, instead of just like a, maybe a cold list of names that you're just kind of checking off and pray for aunt so-and-so and my friend so-and-so. It's like, it kind of, you see the face, it's fresh, it's different every time. And I thought that was kind of cool. And we were in college, and Jennifer had this really neat thing where every time she would leave, uh, walk out her dorm room door, she had on the back of her door a poster that had names of people that she knew, and a lot of them in ministry, um, names of ministries and in, in in that community where we went to school. And, and she would just catch the name of one of those people. And as she walked out the door on the five-minute walk to her next class, she would pray for that person. I mean, you could do something simple like that. You could do it on your phone, and it doesn't have to be just people. It could be qualities that you want to see God develop in you. It could be things, goals that you're going after this year or areas of growth in your life or things you're trying to overcome or people in your life that are going through something, and you just, you just see a different one as you're walking out to the car after work, and instead of just kind of looking around, you're just kind of you're praying. You're experiencing God's presence in a fresh way. I have this pattern that, that has been going for some time. I, my mentor again, Pastor Kevin Myers, taught me this. Uh, he, he literally will pray with a prayer sword. And when we started this church, I had some generous friends that pulled together and, and literally bought me a full-on, like, dangerous, like, you know, like slice-through-something prayer sword. And I, I wait till my kids are all asleep, so I don't like scaring them, but I walk around my house. There's one specific night a week where I pray in this way, and I'll, I'll walk around my house with this sword in hand, and I begin that prayer, and I say, God, I'm coming before you in prayer, believing that as I pray, that God, you're fighting for me, and, and that God, I'm battling in prayer, and I'll, I'll go stand in front of this, this, this wall in our house that's got pictures of all my family, and I'll, I'll pray with that sword in hand for each each person in my family by name. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for the future. I'm praying for the, the people our kids are going to marry. I'm, I'm just, I'm praying a blessing over their life. I'm praying for God to work in their hearts, for them to love God. Anything that's going on that's happened in their lives, I'm, I'm praying for that specific thing. I'm just calling it out. I'm saying, God, I'm praying for them. I'm praying for my marriage. I'm praying for our family. And then I, and then I walk around my house with a sword in hand. I pray for you. I do. Every single week, I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for our church. I'm praying for God's blessing, his protection. I just believe that prayer is powerful, that God battles in prayer. And so I, I battle for you, and I pray, and I kneel down on my, my knee with that sword in hand and the Bible in the other hand, and, I, and I'm praying. I'm crying out to God for you and for, for what God's doing. And so, man, I just, I believe that prayer is powerful. Maybe you need to find, you have to find your own thing that works in your personality and your, your schedule and all that. But, man, find, find something fresh to do, and you may not do it the rest of your life, but maybe just try something. If you, you're saying, I, I've lost that first love. I want to regain the passion. I, I, I need to kind of you know, get out of this spiritual state of feeling stale, and I need to awaken my heart to Jesus again. Maybe, maybe you need to freshen up your routine. But I think it's possible at times that we could find ourselves laying on the emergency table, and we're in the midst of a spiritual crisis because we have literally flatlined spiritually and there is no more pulse it's not even a faint one it's just gone and and what do they do when that happens in life they try to resuscitate the person and and, and they'll grab those handles and they'll they'll put them on your chest and poof, try to shock you back in to reality to try to wake you up and, and and i think that usually growth i've seen comes in my life you know and 
and, and that incremental day-to-day discipline of growing closer to God and praying and his word, and I think that's where the real growth happens over time, but I do think there's times where you need to do something drastic, and maybe, maybe you're someone here today saying, Brandon, I really need a breakthrough. I'm in a desperate spot, and I feel like I've lost my passion for the Lord, and I, there is something for you, and I, I think maybe this is not just for those who need a spiritual jump start, but I think this is for those who are, who are really advanced in your faith and growing in your faith and mature in your faith, and you're saying, I want to go to another level. I just, I don't necessarily know how to access that. And for you, I'd say a big step for you is, is prayer with fasting, which accelerates your prayer life. When you fast and pray, Tony Hall said, God leans in a little closer. He, he leans in a little closer, if you can imagine that. You know, what, what is fasting? It's voluntarily abstaining from something such as food, but it doesn't have to be just food. It's a spiritual discipline to help you grow in your faith. It's investing time in being with God. It's a self-discipline to increase dependence upon God and break away your dependence upon the things of this world. It's, it's a regular reminder to pray and to focus on what matters and to reinvigorate your love for God. See, fasting doesn't just have to be from food. It can be from a lot of different things. It might be saying, you know, in this technologically advanced world that we live, I, I can stream anything I want. I can stream my movies and my music, and I have all these things at my fingertips. But despite all this information, again, what I'm really hungry for is not more stuff to consume, but I want to be consumed by a God who transforms my life. And so maybe it's saying, I'm going to set some of this stuff aside for a day, a week. For a period, a season, so that I can be more dependent on God, less dependent on the things of this world. I'm going to give up a meal so I can break away and spend that time with God. When I feel those hunger pangs because I'm not going to eat for a day or for a period of time, uh, while I'm feeling that, I'm going to use that as that urge to eat to remind me that my real bread, my real sustenance in life is, is what God provides. He's the living water, as it says in Scripture. Like He's what really sustains and waters my soul. He's, he's what grows me up and strengthens me. He's, he's what I need. I, I'm dependent upon food to have life in this world, but I'm really dependent spiritually on God. And, and that, that, that intensity, man, maybe that's the wake up that you need. And, 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 and why fasting? Why, why, why do this at all? What's well, an example for us throughout scripture in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So preceding the launch of these two out into this next season of ministry for them, the church gathered together in worship and in fasting said, we believe the Holy Spirit's speaking to us in this time. If you're trying to make a decision of any kind, that's of any scale in your life, and you're not bringing it to God in prayer and, and possibly fasting as well, you're making a mistake because you could make a mistake in the decision that you make. When you can make it in the flesh instead of in the spirit of God and, and allowing God to lead you in that, man, that's, it's a powerful thing. And so fasting is important. And there's examples all throughout the Bible of, of people fasting. And, and I mean, the people fasted in times of war. They fasted to repent or turn from sin. They fasted when they were in danger or when they wanted courage. They fasted when they wanted to grieve or when they were in distress. They, they fasted when they were trying to deny their flesh or to get spiritual power or wisdom or to set themselves aside in holiness or to mourn or to seek special revelation from God. They, they fasted all the time. And, and listen to the words of Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Return to me. Re return to me. 
Return to me. That's, that's what the heart of this is. He says, return to me, return to me. And, and do that with prayer, with weeping, with fasting. Let your heart be broken again. And fasting is a way to help access that. See, here's the thing. Fasting with prayer accelerates breakthrough. If you want breakthrough, then that's maybe the lesson you need to grab. Fasting with prayer accelerates breakthrough. It's a discipline of, of separation from the world so that I can be more connected with my, my Father. It's, it's a practice of, of submission to God removing the distractions of, of everyday life and becoming more totally dependent on God emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. As Pastor Miles McPherson said, fast to set yourself aside to meet God and become more like him. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to fast. I, I want to challenge you this next month to, to find a time to fast. It might be for a meal. It might be for a day. It might be from something in your life, some activity, some hobby, something that you say, I'm going to set this aside for a period, just for a period, so that I can grow in my relationship with God. This maybe is not, everyone's ready for this, but maybe this is for you. And, and what do you do when you, when you have an extended time of prayer with God? You, you praise and worship. Maybe you put on some worship music and you just listen to the lyrics and let it wash over you and just say, All right, God, I worship you for how good you are to me. Maybe you, you pray through scripture. We talked last week a little bit about this, but you set out some scripture, some verses from the Bible, from things that you're going through in your life right now. And you, you, you read it and you pray about that. God, help me be more like this. I, I need this in my life. God, give me wisdom and discernment, knowing how to implement this in my life. It's a conversation. So ultimately, it's not just a, another ritual. You, I'm fasting. It's another box to check. No, it's, it's, it's a conversation. So you're, you're, you're spending time connecting with and talking to God. And then you do bring lists, if that helps you, to have a list of things, maybe some qualities that you want to pray about in your own life or that you want in your home or praying for your church family or people that you know and care about. And you, and, and you bring that before God and say, God, I, I believe that prayer makes a difference. And then you maybe end it with thanks and just thank God for everything you could think of that you had to be thankful for. It should be a long list that we just thank God. See, it's Alfred Tennyson who said, more things are brought about by prayer than this world dreams of. There's more things that change by prayer than we can even imagine. So what could God do? If you would bring more of God's presence in your life, what could God do? Think about it. What could God break through in your life if you would break it down and spend more time with God? What could God break through in your family, in your, in your future, if you, would, if you would experience breakthrough in your, in your prayer life? What, what if, if, if you started to say, God, I'm going to put you first in my life, and, and I, I'm going to put you at the beginning of my day, or I'm going to put you at the core of my day. I'm going to give you my best, not my last. What would God do? I think God could break through in a powerful way in your life. What if you say, God, I, I'm through living for myself, God. I want to live every day for you. God would break through. You access that through God's presence. So what's your plan? Which, 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 what is, what's your step? What are you going to do to get more of God's presence this week? If, you, if you'll get with him and you'll get in his presence, I'm telling you, God will break through. He'll break through in a powerful way. Right on. Thanks for joining Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out our website to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song. We hope this gives you time to worship and reflect on what you've just learned.
to stay.